This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Hey, and welcome in to a fresh edition of the Winning Plays Podcast, the first episode we are recording this year with the Celtics having regular season games in the books, uh, where you've got the, the former Celtics hub crew in the house here with Ryan Bernardoni and Brennan Jackson, joining myself, Brian Raup, for this episode. Um, and before we get into a pretty interesting first week and some, some big picture issues, um, starting with the one and only Time Lord, um, please subscribe to the Winning Plays podcast. Rate us, review us, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. It is very much appreciated. Um, but I do want to start this, guys, talking about someone who I think is the most interesting member of the bench right now in terms, especially from a big picture perspective, and that's Rob Williams. And, you know, he had he, – he's only played in two of the first three games. He was out of illness for one of the – for the Christmas Day game, Ryan. But um, I think we saw the full roller coaster ride on Sunday night against Indiana. And I don't want to get too much into that game, but I do want to talk about, you know, just what – where he fits into this team and what, like, where, where he goes this year. How much of an impact does this have on the team, both in the present and the future? So, I mean – you, in terms of where this team is right now, Ryan, what, what do you kind of see in terms of where he is compared to, to last season? I don't know if there was that much of a roller coaster ride uh, in the last game. I thought it was pretty much all just good. It's, I don't know if that's up or down in the roller coaster context. I guess that's <laughs> well, still up. People like it down. I don't know. He took the blame for that, you know, for that last defensive play, but I don't see how it was actually like really his fault. Um, I don't see what the point of having Grant Williams and Robert Williams on the floor together if you're not going to switch like a Demonis Sabonis handoff. That's fair. Like that's what what they're for. That's why Grant Williams would be on the floor. You would think. So I just don't see how that's really that much of his fault. And even if he wasn't supposed to switch, like Grant basically screened him. What's he supposed to do? I mean, I don't. I really just don't see how that play was like Time Lord's fault. To be to be perfectly honest. Now he makes other mistakes as the game goes along. Obviously, he makes. Everybody makes mistakes. His seem to stand out more than others. But, like, he, he has picked up – I think he's shown, showed in one game, basically, because he didn't play that much in the first game and, and didn't play in the second game. And it's, maybe that's why that got blown out. Maybe they would have won that game with him. Who's to say? <laughs> maybe it would have been a plus 40. Um, but I think you're seeing, like, all – you know, in that game you saw all the good from him. He's a, a really gifted offensive player. He is – and an intelligent offensive player, I think. He's a gifted and not particularly intelligent defensive player, um, but he has skills that like nobody else has. And I think he's shown that he or is showing that he's at least a viable backup big. Uh, I think you need to pair him with the right type of of you know starting big, but or um, you know as sort of a platoon with with Tristan Thompson, I think would make quite a bit of sense. And I think something that we've talked about at other times, you know, in sort of preseason stuff is like, will he be able to win a battle for minutes with particularly probably Tice? And does that make Tice expendable? Like from that one game, which is nothing, sort of you would say, yeah, maybe that that's possible. And so I think that's a good sign. I think it's one of the one of the sort of better signs from the first couple of games is just like, hey, Rob got an opportunity. He was on the floor at the end of the game. He played well. Yeah, he made a mistake, but I don't really know if it was his fault. Um so that's obviously good, but are like you're never going to come on this podcast and get hear like bad stuff about Time Lord. So <laughs> you will from me. 
Uh, <laughs> no, no, I thought he played great. I, I, I'll agree with you on the offensive side. I think especially, you know, we all know he can dunk. We can jump really high. Um, I have been really impressed with his passing. Uh, even when he makes, like, the wrong pass, it was an interesting read, that which I like. Like, he, he had one where I forget what it was exactly, but he just like fired it down low. And if the person had been ready for the pass, like it would have been a re- I was like, Oh wow. But like, no one was expecting him to make that pass. Um, I will quibble with you on the defensive end. I I've seen him block a shot or two, of course, but I don't see him doing anything on the defensive end that, that, makes me happy it really doesn't like i don't see him defend the post well against bulk i don't see him obviously he can't defend the perimeter he won't challenge whether he can or he won't there's there's something about pick and roll that he cannot do um and that's incredibly frustrating for me um four steals yesterday and he blocked a three it was an incredibly sloppy game and that that fourth steal that he got was a foul (laughs) I can't believe they didn't call that when he when he picked. Uh, that never they, gets called. That's never it, getting oh, called. Oh, it definitely gets that. called. It you gets called on here. Robert once Williams. You get, <laughs> once you get the trap, you're you're never getting called for that. That wasn't you even. It was barely a, a trap. But oh. It was. You can mug a guy. Maybe that's more college. You did mug him. <laughs> well, but then that's good. That's what that's good defense. When you get some guy in a trap, mug him. That's what you're. That's. That's what you need to learn. <laughs> I was happy that he did that, um, but I the whole time I'm thinking I can't believe that didn't get called. I that was just a a, a blatant. The most foul. impressive and thing he did they, was not. I was gonna say the most impressive thing he did was not touch the ball right away because he was out of bounds. Yep. And you, I think he like reached for it. I was like, oh, wait. So no. you're giving him too much and credit. I think he missed. <laughs> no, no, no. He really, he obviously pulled away, and it would be <laughs> such a time lord thing to steal it and then touch it when you're two feet out of bounds. That yep. would have been the perfect encapsulation of him. But B Rob, why did you uh, when you were on the Zoom beat last night? Did uh, they talk about why Tice didn't play that much? Yeah, so I mean, Brad was asked about it and straight up said, you know, Rob Williams was the best big on the team last night. Nice. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, to his point, from an energy perspective, it wasn't even close. I mean, and I think we can, I mean, we can talk about Rob in terms of the the big picture discussion of this team right now, but this, you know, the the, the Tice Thompson front court, I think, has been created in part in the starting five in order to open up minutes for Rob Williams off the bench consistently, which I think is a good thing in terms of the development you want and finding out what you have right now, whether Thompson and Tice is actually going to be a viable front court long-term against most teams. That's a whole different discussion we can get to in a bit, but I do like it from a standpoint that like minutes for Rob Williams are going to be a priority right now. And it is going to come down to, you know, finding the right match, to play with him and obviously finding the right, you know, wings around him. If, if putting a bad defensive team around him is, I think, cause for disaster. And that's honestly a lot of the bench players that are available right now. Um, so whether that can be addressed via trades in the upcoming months remains to be seen. But I think going into this year, Ryan, like you worry once they did sign Tristan Thompson that like, okay, is Williams going to get buried? I mean, we were talking about a couple weeks ago, is he going to get buried? But now a game like Sunday night, and the starting lineup alignment makes it seem like, no, they, this is, you know, he's going to get a, to play one way or another here. Yeah, it looks like he's not going to get buried, although maybe what it takes to not bury him is a negative in total anyway, because um, I, I don't think that that too big starting lineup is, is really going to get you there. Um, and I think you're seeing that a lot. Like, it's it's very much turning 
Tyson to like a volume three point shooter when he's in with that lineup. And that's just never going to, it's never going to play. And I don't think smart is completely actualized in in that lineup either uh, because of some of the things that he can do that are sort of big manny stuff. Uh, There's just not a lot of space there. Um, So it may be that what they're having to do in order to, to create minutes for him is a sacrifice that ultimately like won't be sustainable, but um, yeah, I mean, I, agree that it's good. My, my sort of read on this season was that the first couple of months are going to be pretty rough uh, in terms of in terms of wins and losses, but that it's a time when they do have an opportunity to develop some guys just sort of accepting that this team is not going to be the one seed and that they need to get ready for sort of playoff time and, and lining up their team for trade season and stuff like that. And so from that standpoint, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with it. And I'm happy that he was on the floor at the end of the game. Like, I think you could have made an, a pretty easy argument that like, hey, Tristan Thompson should have been on the floor the, for those very last possessions. Um, but this is an opportunity to put him out there and let him play. And, and I think I have problems with like the way that they executed that, like I talked about with having, having Grant on there. But um, yeah, it's obvious that, that he, well, I say it's obvious. It seems likely that he will get minutes. You never know. Maybe he'll do something so stupid that Brad will sit him for three games or something and, and we'll be right back where we started. But um, there are other players who I would also like to see be getting an opportunity right now over, over some other guys, but at least in this one case, something that we've been harping on for now, what it seems like an entire season, um, he does seem to be an actual part of the rotation, which does make me happy. And that's what's so frustrating too. It's like, I'm looking at the box score right now and obviously it's just one game, but like, why did Jeff T get 22 minutes? I mean, I remember watching him the whole time last night and me thinking and seeing him miss so many shots and not in any sort of context in the offense, he would just like dribble into the paint and like take a six footer and brick it. And it's just, and he would look people off and I'm like, okay, there's definitely a younger dude that can be playing Jeff Teague's minutes, at least in this game. I mean, I know he had like a really good first game and everyone was like, wow, Jeff, Jeff Teague might not be washed. It's like, no, listen, I think this is Jeff Teague. I think last night what we saw from Jeff Teague is what we're going to see going forward. And I wouldn't mind seeing, Aaron Neesmith, Carson Edwards, even uh, Tremont Waters. Like, just give me a – or Peyton Pritchard playing 30 minutes. Who cares? I mean, Carson yeah. Edwards is not going to play, right? No, yeah, of course not. That's but the most it, obvious one is that something that, that B-Rob and I have talked about is that, like, especially now with the way that Pritchard has played pretty well in the first couple of games, like, Carson Edwards is not ever going to be a part of this rotation again because Pritchard just has taken that role and is doing it better than – you know, he's had two games already that are, like, better than Edwards has, has ever played. Um, I have – problems with the fact that that Neesmith hasn't played yet uh, in any real minutes, just because like this team so desperately needs shooting. I don't have as much of a problem with the fact that, that Teague has played because like he got to the line 10 times last, he took 10 free throws last night already got to the line five times, I guess. But um, so he, he hasn't been bad and they need somebody who can create shots. I think there's some other weird stuff going on in, in the rotations, but um, a lot of that, I think, and be Rob, like it's a weird box score from last night. Right. And you see a lot of that is sort of coming out of the fact that they are starting with the two bigs and then trying to like figure it out from there, how to set up a rotation. And, and I do wonder if that is sustainable, but it, you just look at the, you know, look at the, the box score, like, like B Jackson's doing. It's like, Hey, Tice played 15 minutes. There's what five guys who all played 22 exactly, you know, exactly <laughs> 22 minutes. Like it's a, it was just sort of a weird game um, in the way that they were trying to, sort of shuffle guys in and out to make viable lineups uh, right from the, really right from the start. I know. Right. And there was like a couple of uh, plays I saw where like smart would, they would kick it out to smart in the corner. And it's like, Oh man, if that's Neesmith or Pritchard or anyone who is a better shooter, that might 
either get an open shot or open up driving lanes, but they want Smart to take that shot. Who started the second half? Because right, it was was it Ojale that started instead of Tice? Maybe no, no Tice. Tice started. Oh, Tice took. Tice half. started, but did Ojale start the second half as well, or did he rotate? Because you had those three possessions in the in the third quarter when Indiana was going on the big run, where Tatum set up like wide open three pointers, and in all three cases, you were like, that guy's never gonna make it. He was like, he's, they're setting it up, and a guy, he's it, one was Tice. I think I. I think one, one was, was Ojale, maybe, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, well, I mean, Ojale was the first sub off the bench, so he was okay, probably one of that, one, too. And then and Tice was, was one, too. Well. Yeah, Smart was another one, yeah. So there, there were I three. Yeah, it was like, they went ice cold from three because it was, you know, you had three low-percentage shooters taking yeah. that shot. So, I mean. They were just, like, wide open yeah. Tatum-created shots. And then it's like, oh, he didn't have an assist the rest of the game, I don't think. Or he had one more. I think he had four, maybe four in the first half. He had one more the rest of the game or something like that. Like, he just stopped doing that because right. it was like if these guys aren't going to make the op- the most open shots i can possibly create for them then you know it's natural for any player but i think particularly natural for like a 22 year old whose first instinct is not necessarily as a passer to just be like well we're not going to do that anymore um he was also getting frustrated because he wasn't getting any calls and he was going to the rim and i think he was going to the rim softly and he was complaining to the refs way too much but he was still like in his own head about that at least that's what i thought yeah, I mean, four free throw attempts over his first 71 while well, taking 71 shots. Um, and one of them in transition, that was a, they gave him the foul. Right. Like, one of them, right. That was the first two of the season. So, yeah, it is. I mean, when I look at the starting lineup right now, or at least at the Thompson Tice part of it, which, you know, was a pretty big wild card, I think no one really expected them to come with that out of the gate. But from a, you know, from a veteran standpoint, from a guys that know how to play standpoint defensively, it makes sense to try it against, you know, some of these bigger front lines. But if it's not going to work against the Pacers, then I don't think it's going to work, period. Because this is probably, like, the perfect team or in terms of a matchup with Sabonis and Turner that you're going to get, you know, in the Eastern Conference right now with, with those two guys. So, I mean, they started the game great, and then it all fell apart after halftime. But, I mean, if you look at – they've played 30 minutes together. Um, that's starting five. It's a minus 18 um, over the first three games and you know they're they've been bad offensively they've been bad defensively so is it a situation where you know you're better off going smaller so you know brown and tam can guard bigger guys as opposed to chasing around smaller players like that's question and i mean i'm sure they're gonna give it a couple more you know at least a couple more games to to to, to make it work here but yeah with so many games coming up so quick you know you don't, they don't really have too much time to like you know stick with it if it's not working yeah one of the things that's sort of frustrating to me is that they only they only had two preseason games and they basically wasted them from this perspective by starting Javante and then just yeah what was that about it makes no sense like if you didn't it he didn't do anything particularly like good during the preseason but if he was going to go all the way to completely out of the rotation then what was the point of using those two games to like try out a lineup that you had no interest in ever actually playing and, and I get it, like, Tristan Thompson wasn't available, but you, they just, they spent those minutes. And we talked about it, you know, all the different options for that, right? Is it better to start Teague in that, loca- in that, you know, in that spot and try to get more creation on the floor? Do you start Neesmith to get shooting on the floor? Like, there were, Grant, I think, is the one that sort of made the most sense that we had, we all thought about. He's been really bad to start the season, but we, which we can talk about. But um, they, it was just a waste. It was like, hey, we got two preseason games and we're just going to throw them away and then start the season with like a lineup that will have never played together, probably won't sustain together. And like, 
I get it. Indiana is two games where maybe you can pull that off and Milwaukee's another one. And maybe it's just like, we're going to try this for the first four games and then abandon it when we get into some teams that aren't quite so big, but I just don't get that at all. I don't, I don't see what the point of that was. Um, yeah. And I thought he played pretty well. Like I know you said he didn't do it. He was good defensively. Good. Yeah, he exactly. He didn't, yeah. he didn't do anything like stand out, but he wasn't bad. Yeah. But you didn't want him to do anything stand out. Like, you know, you don't want him to take shots away from Tatum or Brown or he whatever. So okay. what'd you say? <laughs> I said, if he makes them, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. But, um, but yeah, so I thought I, th- I kind of liked it. I was like, wow. Okay. Finally, like, a youngish player end of the bench that's going to come in and step up and get his chance and we'll see what happens. And he didn't even get his chance. And that's frustrating. And I think the thing right now, when you just, if he's not in the rotation right now and Neesmith isn't playing, then it's like, there are no wings coming off the bench, which is a huge problem in general, since most other teams have a ton of wings coming off their bench these days. So that's where you have, you know, Grant Williams or Ojale trying to chase around Doug McDermott around screams and failing miserably for most of the night. Like it's a situation like that. It's like, all right, you, maybe you're not going to play Neesmith angry, but, but play one of those guys, you know, and if, if these other guys aren't able to, to hang with them, at least so you get either the offense out of Neesmith or the defense out of green, but, but going with without either of them, given the alternatives right now in, in certain matchups, it just, I, I don't get it. Yeah, I would have much rather had Green chasing McDermott off screens than, you know, Ojale or, or whatever. Um, what I, In the limited minutes I saw of Neesmith in um, preseason, though, I will say he looks pretty lost on defense. Oh, like, I don't know if you guys have seen the scouting report or anything, but I'm looking and he seems willing. He seems like active and excited, but he seems like he has no idea what he's doing on defense. I expect him to suck on defense, but like I don't. <laughs> I don't really care um, because uh, I think as we just sort of brought up, like the guys who you're putting out there might be better defenders in general, but like in the specific matchups that they're in, they're not good defenders either. So why not put a guy out there that has some hope of giving you an offensive boost when you like desperately need that one particular type of, of offensive boost and just be like, all right, well, you're a bad defender against wings, but Grant Williams isn't a good defender against wings and Peyton Pritchard isn't a good defender against wings. And, and even with Pritchard on the floor last night, you saw times when they were hunting Teague, they were like, Oh, we're not even going to go after the guy who looks like Peyton Pritchard. We, we're going to go after, we'll go after Jeff Teague. It's like, that's fine. Just like play him. Cause he can shoot then. And he'll learn to play defense a little bit better. Like you said, I think he's willing. I agree that he was lost in places. He, he looked like he was a good defender or a good rebounder, particularly mm-hmm. has some offensive rebounding instincts, which has actually been bad for the, for the team this year they've been making really bad decisions about chasing offensive rebounds but um it's just like i'll take the offense because the defense sucks anyway so what are you really losing yeah and, and it's funny because like ojale on paper or not on paper like i test should be a great defender and he's just not he's he doesn't just, get blocks or steals right. that's the thing he stays in front of a guy if it's the right kind of guy and he doesn't do anything else. Right, but he's pretty statuesque too. Like even if he even if yeah. you run into him, you can just bounce off of him and make a shot. You well, know? because he doesn't he doesn't impact the ball in any way, right? It's one yeah. of Sal's favorite things, like impacting the ball, right? He doesn't he doesn't ever block shots. He doesn't really get steals. If you have a guy like particularly Giannis, who you want a strong guy to stand back on and then see if he'll run you over, at, like okay he he does that but he's he's not an impactful defender he's just a defender who doesn't like stand out as being terrible and maybe Neesmith will at times stand out as being terrible but like you're talking about 
a couple of possessions here and there. Like you're talking about like fractions of a point difference in terms of expected defensive value over the course of the game between those guys. And like just Neesmith's theoretical shooting gives us something that the team doesn't have otherwise. And, and I, we just know that this is how Brad does it, right? He's Neesmith. We're going to be shouting about all season and he's just like never going to play. And maybe he's not, maybe he's really not ready. He was injured. He didn't play that much. He hasn't played basically in a year. It's a big jump to the NBA, all those things. I don't really care. Like they need his skill set, And if you're not going to play him, then at least play Javante, like we said, because get some, if you, if you're worried about defense, then play the wing defender instead of the, whatever Ojale is defender. And I, it's, it's just annoying, especially coming from a position where for the last couple of years, we're like, we got all these wings. And now it's like, wait, we have no wings. Literally no wings. Crazy. It's nuts how like shallow they are at that spot. And, you know, Romeo Langford, I mean, they can say they're counting on him, but that's, that's, that's what February at the earliest. So, I mean, it's going to be, if they, if they wait that long without addressing it and also keeping Neesmith on the, on the schneid, then it's, I don't know, it could get, it's not going to be, it's going to be some pretty tough nights against some benches that have a lot of firepower, but NFL football continues on this week, which has a few surprise teams at the top of the standings. And you might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at bet online, no matter how the schedules change or players that play bet online is going that extra mile to make sure you can get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere else online. So head on over to bet online today and take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers and contests bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And now back to the show. I'll throw this out to you guys then like say, say they lose Tuesday. Um, against the Pacers. They faced the Grizzlies Wednesday night, back-to-back. Um, who do you start in that game? Like, what, you know, the, the Grizzlies are starting Kyle Anderson at power forward now with Jackson out. So what, what, is, your, what is your move right now to, in terms of what makes the most sense for this team, you know, that could conceivably be sustainable if they're going to go to a smaller look? The simplest thing is that you start Graham Williams instead of Daniel Tice. Yeah, that's Which what is I was not like, say. Yeah. It's not like a massive change, obviously, but... He's been bad, though. I know. I agree. But it's three games, and you just kind of have to hope, like, that – I think part of the problem with, with Grant is that he's suffering from playing with these bench units that are not good. And, like, he's very much a connective player. He's not a player who's – he wasn't college, obviously. He was a, a big-time scorer and that, that sort of player. But, like, he is a guy who greases the wheels. And, like, if the wheels all like, are just rusted over and suck, like, you, he needs to be playing with players who he can accentuate their uh, – their strengths because his strengths are not ones that are going to stand out that way. And I think when he's playing in lineups that are sort of not functional to begin with, he can't, he can't solve that problem. He can just make good lineups better. I think is sort of what his role in the world is. And so putting him in with the starting lineup might also give him a boost where he starts to play better. Maybe it doesn't, maybe he's just having a bad start to the season. I don't know. Didn't you see that sidestep three he took? It was wet. he's always like he's just a he's a much better on the move three-point shooter than he is like straight catch and shoot it was last year too it's really really bizarre i I mean Dwayne Wade was the same way any type of shooter he had to move before he took before he took a shot but i mean i will say similar players (laughs) yeah exactly i will say uh i I joke but that was like pretty impressive i can't believe that went in as well as it did wasn't his um, first three last year after starting over twenty five or twenty six? Wasn't it? Or maybe a second one was similar. It was like a sidestep three. It was just like, oh, that's the key. He just needs to not be thinking and like taking some wild ass shot. <laughs> I I do think though, 
Grant can stay in front of Kyle Anderson. I mean, that dude yeah. is a non-shooter. He's a sort of like Marquis Daniels type, like sort of flowy player. And I feel like Grant Williams is a dude that could actually stay in front of him and affect shots, get blocks, maybe poke the ball away. I'm just not very high on Kyle Anderson. Am I crazy? I agree with you. I think that's probably from a rotational standpoint too, makes the most sense since, you know, you're getting a big in there and, you know, you can still um, get everyone minutes in that rotation. Um, I'm kind of tempted to go offense first though. You're going to go fast PP? With this. I might go fast PP. I'm going to throw it out there. Fast PP. You need a guy who can hit threes in the starting five. If you're not going to play Neesmith, like throw Pritchard in there. You, you bump Jalen up or Tatum up the guard power forwards, where I think they're better suited for anyway than chasing around wings. Pritchard's not going to be good defensively, but he's going to try. and He's got decent instincts for a rookie on that front. And so, yeah, like I think the offense is good enough there to potentially change, you know, to pay off for the, the defensive downside that you're, you're sacrificing. Why not just do a double switch and do smart, fast PP, Tice, and Williams? You guys have uh, have John Morant in fantasy or something? Like, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> no, I just got a I just got a Woj bomb. Up, oh, that was my son. Um, I just got a Woj bomb that uh, John Morant just rolled his ankle, so he might not even be playing. Uh, all right. Well, in that case, I'm more open to the fast PP in the starting lineups. <laughs> But if he's out there, I would be a little bit worried about, about that one. Uh, I mean, I agree. He, he tries hard. He, he does all of the things that six foot three white point guards get said about them. Wait, can't uh, guard Grayson Allen on the Grizzlies? Well, that's I, true. One of the problems with that is that sometimes the other team gets to decide who guards who by moving that's around. Fair. Uh, yeah, I mean, sure, you can start him on Grayson Allen. I assume Grayson Allen knows how to set a screen. Maybe he doesn't. He probably gets. He knows how to put his feet under people. I was going to say from putting his (laughs) knees into places where they're not supposed to be and things like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that as we're sort of getting to, right, just the two center starting lineup is probably not long for the world, particularly if they lose this next game. Um, But uh, who it's going to be yet. Anything else probably makes sense other than putting Robert Williams in and staying, staying two centers. Um, It's not going to be Neesmith no matter how much, (laughs) <laughs> you would like to see that, you know, like to see him get some run and get some shooting in there. Uh, it's not, I assume it won't be Javante. I guess I don't think he's going to go back from DMPs back into the starting lineup again, but that would be a move. So I, would I wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise me though. That'd be straight up. It'll, just be, Teague. Yeah. It'll be Teague. We know who it's going to be. It's going to be Jeff Teague because he's the oldest player. So it's going to be Jeff Teague. I think Pritchard's a better defender than Teague though. It doesn't matter. He is. Yeah. He's old. He's younger. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it will be Jeff Teague because Brad Stevens will think he has in some cosmic way earned it by being in the NBA for a long time. And being and so from Indiana. Jeff Teague. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I mean, that will, it will be, I do think that on top of, I mean, if Teague is, if, as long as there's someone who can hit threes, I think is the, is the bottom line here. If, if Tice isn't, you know, hit a f- couple in the opener, but that's generally not, you know, hasn't been a high percentage shot for him for, you know, since two years ago at this point. And so, Turning him into that guy that just hangs on the perimeter. If, if Thompson is down low, it's almost honestly kind of a waste of Tice too to have him play power forward, given you know where his strengths are. He, like it takes him off the offensive glass. It doesn't get him involved in the pick and roll as much. And so like you know, get someone in there that can spread the floor more around Tatum and Brown, and kind of 
accentuate their strengths and that is anyone who can hit a three. So if like Grant Williams can be that guy, if he can hit those side steps and can be him. Otherwise, Teague, Pritchard, and maybe Neesmith in 40 games. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, the problem with, the problem with Grant is that even if he can make them, they, nobody's defending him right now. He's going to have to make quite a few of them to yeah, get people to come out on him. So you lose a little bit of the sort of spacing element, uh, even though I think that may be where they go anyway. And if he can make them, then great. It's an advantage. They gave you the shot and you made it. I think just to, to sort of highlight that, Tice, I'm pretty sure made the first two, two threes of the season, right? So he's 0 for his last eight. Mm. Um, eight shots is not, you know, obviously not a huge sample, but it's like eight completely uncontested threes. Right. Like and no one in the area code they don't look like they're going to go in uh, and nobody believes that they're going to go in more than two out of every 10, which is what he's at right now. So um, sort of similarly to, to grant, just you getting nothing out of it, even putting him out there. If, if having a guy go to the three point line, like part of the point of it is to get spacing. And if they just don't defend you at all and you don't make them, then like, what are we, <laughs> you know, what are we doing here? You're getting none of the benefits of anything. Uh, so I think, they're going to have to go some other way. Now maybe they'll win the next game and then be like, well, we don't want to make a change coming off a win and they'll go and it'll just sort of like, I don't know, you know, they'll just sort of like limp through the season parts of the, or part of the early part of the season playing a lineup like this. But um, I hope they win and then also make a change uh, because I don't think this is really going to work in the long term. Are they going to limp until Romeo comes back and then Romeo, if he's healthy, he's the starter. Like I, I just don't well, understand. Kemba will be back oh, yeah, before that. I, hopefully right. talking about. Yeah. Let's hold. Oh, but, but Kemba doesn't solve the like the wing defense problem. I mean, I guess it, it well, smart. smart to the bench. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess if you're going to keep push Smart to the bench, it does. But no, Smart's going to start. But if Smart's going to start, then that still like doesn't totally solve your wing problem. Um, in terms of you're going to have to get pretty tricky if you're staggering to 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 help with that. Yeah. The only solution to the wing problem is getting a wing, or right. playing one of the wings that you like getting good production out of the one of the two wings that you have that you aren't playing yet. There's no like magic you know solutions that are three wings if you count romeo that aren't playing yet but that's that's the solution is they're gonna have to limp along until they can acquire one or actually decide to to play when they have because yeah, there's is no other solution breaking news i believe kelly Ubre is available <laughs> right oh now God. kelly ray shooting two hey, let's did they give buy low give let's buy him? low yeah, they gave, mean, him a first, they gave him a protected first for him. Protected so first somewhere. Down the, the, line. the Celtics might get a first-round pick for taking that contract, maybe. It uh, saves them so much money to get rid of it. Yeah, like, it saves them an enormous amount of, of tax and then also his $15 million contract. Like, it really is like a $50 million salary dump. And there aren't that many teams. There, there might not be any other teams that can just, just OKC. OKC, that's it. Oh, no, of course, they, yeah. They, yeah of but course. no, they can't do that because they traded it to him. So oh, they can't yeah, they have a one-year restriction. Yeah, you're right. Because right. that wasn't a three... That no, wasn't a three-team trade, right? They actually no. took him in and then traded him back out. So, um, Ryan, do like 15 seconds on your crazy uh, Golden State guess. Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, all right. So the deal is that right now they have a salary and luxury tax um, of about $300 million, $310 million. And they're playing in – like their TV deal, their local TV deal isn't great. And they're playing in a brand new arena that costs them a lot of money with no fans in it. And they had expected to make all this money out of this arena. And so they're basically like, they're very likely like hemorrhaging money right now. Now we're talking about a whole bunch of billionaires and billionaires hemorrhaging money are still billionaires. So like, maybe it doesn't matter at all, but um, they're obviously having a, going to have a really rough financial year with the way that they're going. And because of the way the luxury tax works is like the more you get into it, the higher the escalators, right? The, the higher the multipliers get. And so if you cut money off the top of it, it starts to cut money really quickly. 
and the, the sort of joke that I've been, or the couple of things that I've been pointing out, one is Oubre, right? If they may just get a first round pick to take Oubre and that if they can get play out of him, then that would be good. The second one that I had, that I was sort of talking about was like, maybe Draymond is an open opportunity here, right? Like they would want to keep on attacks, but like, can you trade Daniel Tice for Draymond Green? Would you want to, uh, you know, I don't know what Draymond's actual value is right now, but the, the really funny one, the one that I was throwing around there today was like, what if Steph Curry asks out? <laughs> what if Steph <laughs> is like, I don't want to do this for a second year. And they're like, okay, well, we opened this new arena and like, this is a total shit show, but like, we need to start rebuilding and whatever. Clay is the worst contract in the league now. And if Steph were to ask out, like the Celtics could go in and say like, Kemba Walker matches Steph Curry to like, almost to the dollar in terms of 125% plus $100,000. He's the, the cheapest player who a team can trade for Steph Curry in the, you know, in the trade except in the, within the rules of over the cap teams trading. So you save a bunch of money there. Then they could use the TP to take Ubre send back some smaller salaries to stay for the Celtics to stay underneath the um, underneath the hard cap. It, there are ways to make it even more, right? Like the Celtics could trade out Tice and take Looney. Like you could save them literally a hundred million dollars this year, plus tens of millions of dollars next year um, in a manner that the Celtics would get Steph Curry and like send a couple of, you know, send draft picks and you send Kemba and, and maybe they could flip Kemba for a first round pick online. But like, if they really did have to like blow it up and Steph was like, I don't want to be here. I just don't want to deal with this team right now. That's going to be in the lottery again. The Celtics could like come in and reasonably be like, Hey, we will save you a gigantic amount of money. Um, and we get Steph Curry out of it. And what does that do to the Celtics cap for the next three years? Yeah. It's Steph Curry makes a lot of money. Um, he's also 45 years old and he's coming off an injury and like, who knows, maybe that's, maybe that's actually a disaster. Like, I don't know, but um, he is still, Steph Curry, and you are trading Kemba Walker, who's not cheap for the next two years. So, right, you're adding like $10, $11, $12 million, something like that um, over Kemba, but you're also getting a, you know, multiple-time MVP and the greatest shooter of all time to play on a team where we're talking about how they're, they don't have enough shooting. So, uh, there's a, this is not going to happen. Yeah. What's it's the percentage chance that he'll ever ask out there? Like 2% maybe? Like 0.5 with his legacy there? Like, it's just... See, the thing is, like, what if they're... But they could, but he might ask, like, if they... If they what if they're 15 they're, and 30? Right. Yeah, if they're really bad this year, and then I think that what... I think realistically, he could ask out, like, next year. Like, if they really say again next year, because they, they have no way of getting why, better. Why, though? Like, why... If he's ever going to ask out, why assume that he's going to wait? Because really, Clay is the worst contract in the league right now, I think. And Draymond doesn't look like the same player that he was. And Wiggins yeah. sucks and is on a terrible contract. And Oubre hasn't solved the problem. And they have no flexibility... What they have is their own draft pick next year and this Minnesota pick that might convey. Uh, it's top four protected. Top, I don't remember if it's top three or top four protected. Top three. Top three. So that pick will likely convey. So they're probably going to have two lottery picks next year. But then, like, does he want to play in a team with James Wiseman and BJ Boston and whoever, and Jonathan Kuminga? Like, I, and I don't have any idea who these players are, as we have established. Right. But they, and the odds that they actually get Cade Cunningham are not great because a lottery reform. Um, even before lottery reform, they wouldn't have been like super high. So it's just a position of like, it wouldn't be crazy for him to be like, I'm, I'm going to be 33 years old. And like, I have maybe two or three good years left to me. Like, I don't want to burn one of them playing for a team that's, that's jockeying for lottery position at the end of the year. And just being like, it's been great here. And I love it. And I'm, you're like, you know, I'll be the greatest player in your franchise history, but Hey, can you move me on so I can try to win another title before this is all over? And, like, that wouldn't be the craziest thing we've ever seen in sports. We just assume it'll ever happen because it's, it's Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. But, like, it could. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's 
that's certainly like you're right when you look at it from like the big standpoint and you know i think what the warriors will probably do in that situation be like okay we're gonna or we'll see what they do in that situation which probably might not be a a good move for them long term it's like okay well we'll take wiseman and in those lottery picks and some you know one of our bad contracts and see what we can get and was is that enough to make you stay stuff but but from a Celtics perspective right now though it is kind of a shame because to, to ryan's point jack's like they are going to be desperately looking to dump money if it, things continue to look this bad for them and there's honestly outside of Ubre, there's nothing appealing on this roster for the celtics that is actually movable yeah, I just worry uh, if we get if the Celtics get Curry, then that's going to take minutes away from Pay Pritch, <laughs> Pay Rich, and uh, I don't know. I mean, stifling that development is that really what we want to be doing? I was having this conversation on Twitter today, and that might be a bargaining position to get Fast PP onto the Warriors as part of this trade for his. Oh. his you know, he can shoot. He has the depth of shooting that Curry has, as we saw. <laughs> That's right, and so. he's he's from the Pacific Northwest. I'm not saying exactly San Fran is is the Pacific Northwest, but it's much closer than Boston. Maybe that is a chip. Maybe we don't have to trade any first round picks. We are, we can trade the first round pick and pay rich. Actually, I take it back about nothing on the Warriors. That's good. They Celtics can de- they should take Brad Wanamaker back right now. <laughs> Get him back. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not for them. I'm not opposed to getting Brad Wanamaker back, but I just love how. You got really excited when you saw. Oh, I just forgot. Saying. I was like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> like why? Why is he? He can guard wings. Get him in here. He can't. It's been three games. I know. All, they all hate him already. I think. I, I'm sure they do, but that's fine. He has very fast hands. He affects the ball. Four steals last night. Five assists. Four steals. Oh, he does have game. very. He. I don't know if you noticed this, but he pokes the ball out so many times. It's impressive. I think it, if you want to talk about the landscape of the sort of trade stuff, because that's what I come on for um it <laughs> hasn't been a great week for that not all, so the warriors yeah the warriors look like they're gonna maybe be in a position to be dumping money and maybe Ubre turns around but like in the first week he's looked really bad like i said draymond's like not even playing so the warriors are sort of an opportunity there that that doesn't look like there's like a whole lot there unless really something wild does happen orlando have been has been the team that you look at and you're like they've got like four guys who would all make sense to trade for they're three and oh they're winning um and then the big one to me is like if you want Washington to wait to trade Brad Beal until the Celtics have had an opportunity to rehab Kemba's trade value, because like the most natural ways to make those trades are like Kemba going out to somebody who's actually like wants him and is sending back value. And there's a ton of cap space next year and like three team trades in the off season. So that's sort of the most natural way to get Beal. Um, and there would be a lot of other suitors for Beal and maybe the Celtics just can't match the trade price, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to trade Jalen for him. I don't think, um, so it's one of those things of like you have to be able to move Kemba out. And if they trade him at the trade deadline because they suck and he asks out, then Kemba's not going to have come back early enough to like put together the type of trade that gets him. So I was watching both those Orlando Washington teams and be like, come on, Wizards. Like I need, I need Orlando <laughs> to be throwing away like Terrence Ross or Aaron Gordon. And I need Washington to be holding on to Brad Beal until the offseason. And like neither of those things happened in the first week. And I was just like, God damn it. None of this is like playing out the way I want it to right now. And that's such like little stuff. And in the grand scheme of things, is it really going to matter? Probably not. But just those little tiny shifts, you're like, God, I just want Orlando to suck and to trade us somebody who can score and plays on the wing. <laughs> but it's a good point because like you really don't know how everything's going to shake out. Like the Clippers just lost bigly. Obviously they were down Kawhi, but like if what happens if they implode? 
Like I, they're probably not trading Kawhi, but and I don't want Paul George, but he's untradeable I mean, anyway. Yeah, is so that on the extension? Like he can't be traded. Right oh, now. word, word, word. Yeah, uh, I'm just thinking. Like, is there anyone on that team that you? There's would a want? ton of guys on that. There's a lot of guys on that team. That are, <laughs> yeah. Like they they have a lot of guys. They they have um, and that's just one team, right? Like you can go to look, and it's all these, whatever. It's three games. But in terms of the teams that we thought might be right. good or bad, yeah. now the one thing that's maybe gone in there favor in some small way and it's you hate to say this but like spencer dinwiddie getting hurt is one trade yeah. ship that comes off the off the board for this year so that's one less asset that's out there that might get traded for somebody who's good but um yeah there's not i don't know do the raps do anything are, yeah you know, raptors are some interesting yeah they're they have not looked good early um, siakam's just not the man for that and they know that like everybody knows that but they don't have anybody to trade other than siakam and then you trade him out and then like your team still isn't enough anymore right. OG I, they don't want to get rid of OG for anything I think there's just if there's a really like if there's a good enough player to be better than Siakam then OG isn't going to get you that because other teams will just come in and offer more than that right yeah. like they're in a little bit of a trap there the one that people have been sending I don't know why maybe it's been the same person just keeps sending it to me I can't pay attention but um I've been getting this thing that's like what about when Jeremy Grant becomes available for trade like Jeremy Grant Jeremy Grant like the Pistons are going to suck they're going to regret it and I'm like wait well, then wouldn't we regret it right like I don't, you don't pay Jeremy Grant I like, million. Yeah, I like Jeremy Grant, but you're right, B. I'm not paying him that. Like, like my, one of my best friends is a Blazers fan, and he was so excited that they uh, gave up a whole boat for Robert Covington, and I have no idea why he he was so excited. It's just like wings are at a premium. I get it, but, like, I wouldn't want Robert Covington. So uh, – I would. I mean, Covington's good. Covington would be a good fit for, oh, for the God. Celtics. Uh He's not overrated. A, he's he's overrated. Ball, he's like, well, but his contract is so low that it's not, yeah, he's not his, overrated financially. Like he might be right. overrated in the eyes of the internet because the internet likes certain types of players, but like financially he's not overrated. He makes less money than he probably would on, you know, than he definitely would on the open market. Like he's a good player on a good contract. What, what's his contract right now? Uh, so like 9 million or something? Like 11 or something. 11, right? yeah. He extended in that he did the, the, the renegotiate and extend where he got like a balloon payment in the first year when he was scheduled mm. to make a very little out of their cap space and then he got paid less in the out years. So he makes, doesn't make a lot on an annual basis right now. Uh, and he's a good player, but like you look around and right. The bulls being bad. Is there anybody on the bulls who like solves the wing problems? You know, you're sort of just like Zach Levine's a good defender. You get him in there. Saturansky. He's more right? of a point, but uh, I mean, it's like Otto Porter. You're waiting to see if Otto. Uh, Porter. Yeah, that's, yeah. No, I don't want Otto Porter anyway. He I want makes, good wings. <laughs> it's really hard to make him work with, with the hard cap and staying under the luxury tax anyway. Like it's not going to happen, but yeah. um, it's, you know, it's just, it's really difficult right now to like see what the solution is because as we were just talking about with, with Covington, the Celtics don't have enough wings, but the league doesn't have enough wings. And so where do you go to get a wing from the rest of the league? Like just, there's not available, which is why um, if you draft one, you should play them. <laughs> and this goes back to, especially since Covington shooting uh, 30% from the field uh, over two games, I'd much rather see what Neesmith can do. All right. Well, that feels like a good place to, <laughs> to stop. I think we should just have a weekly trade watch. Um, just, just have weekly rambling conversations yeah. that devolve into the league and who the Celtics yeah. could theoretically trade for. No, it's we didn't even. 
we didn't even make it to our Brad Stevens slander. No, right, exactly. We're cutting it off before we even get to there. But yeah. for all the listeners, I, just want you to know, we were fully prepared to slander Brad Stevens. I think, I think <laughs> there was enough of that worked in in the, the general. Uh, <laughs> well, let's say it explicitly. Rough start to the season for Brad Stevens. I have an incredibly hot Brad Stevens take. Incredibly hot. It's scorching. But we'll save it for the next time we're yeah, on. We're the Celtics it. hub alum are all on. Let's, let that simmer. Let that simmer for <laughs> another week here. Um, all right. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at Winning Plays Pod. Follow Ryan at DangerCart. Follow BJX at JaxoBD. Um, and hit us up. We'll be back uh, later this week with um, after it's five games and seven nights here this week, gentlemen. So it's going to be fast and furious. Things are the panic button will be hit quickly, or uh, Brad Stevens and company. We'll write the ship. We'll find out either way. Um, But stay tuned for that. And as always, thanks for listening.